This is Magic City Soccer. Es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica. This is Magic City Soccer. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. Let's go, Miami FC. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer. Vamos, Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, bitches. Este es el fútbol de la ciudad mágica de Miami. This is Magic City Soccer. This is Magic City Soccer, a Dade Brigade podcast, and your home for everything you need to know about soccer in Miami-Dade County. Hello, soccer fans in South Florida and beyond, and welcome to our show. We're happy to have you back. We're happy to be back. It's a new year, and we have a lot to digest. So let's dive right into it. Let's obviously introduce who we're going to be talking to first. Um, let's first go to Drew Hosman. Drew, how you doing, pal? Oh, my God. Merry Christmas times two. The NASL is still alive. <laughs> and of course we've got Omar Mubayed. Omar, how you doing, buddy? I where's my bottle opener? Where's my where's my bottle opener? <laughs> we're falling apart. We're really rusty here. Forgive us if uh we're uh having some struggles, but there is so much to dive into. We're we're just gonna go right into it. Obviously the A one story, the top of the fold on the front page, the thing that needs to be discussed, the NASL is alive. The NASL is alive and well. Um it is. Um, it was touch and go for a very long period of time. Like that motorcycle in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the, the league is revving up. Yes, we know we're revving the engines and we're uh, we're getting ready to go. Um, so the NASL has survived this off season. It appears we're going to have a bit of a limited league, an eight team league at least for this season. The uh, USL. Uh, has been given provisional second tier status, uh, Division Two status, alongside the NASL. Um, so the United States Soccer Federation has taken a kind of uh, touch and go approach here to see how both leagues develop. Um, but the good news is there will be Miami FC soccer next year. Um, let's start with Omar. Omar, what are your takeaways from this this odyssey? One, one second. Now the bottle opener doesn't really want to work. Ah, there we go. There we go. Cracking the celebratory uh, brewski. Yes, the Guinness Blonde American Lager, which I'm currently having. So, America, what a great place to be, right? You can seek your dreams out here. You can gain employment even if you're not from here. Oh, and by the way, we can have two Division Two soccer leagues with one having eight teams and the other having 64? Question mark? I think, right? This is such a crazy thing, man. Uh, listen, it, it's nice to be here. It's nice to be back with all of you. Um, you know, two Division twos. what does that really mean for Miami FC, and what does that mean going forward? What it means going forward is that both leagues need to get their, you know, stuff together, for lack of better words. Um, we can't coexist uh, having two Division twos. I don't think that's going to be a way moving forward. Uh, for the U.S. Soccer Pyramid. And again, neither of these leagues want to be Division Three, but I don't think that the teams that have stayed on the outside of USL want to be merged into USL system. And teams that are inside USL don't want to belong to a system like NASL. So it's going to be really, really key to see which teams can grow and which leagues can grow not only faster, but in terms of individual resources. And individual resources being the most important part because you don't want to have a second division team that is a minor league or an academy league. We have academy leagues, right? Academy leagues around the world are all usually division four, division five, lower tier uh, kind of places to grow up your talent. Division two is not meant for that. Uh, yeah, I think that's, um, that's definitely something that the USSF is going to have to kind of sort out in the very near future. Um, Drew, what do you take away from the situation? I think after a while they just said, you know what, it's after Christmas. We've delayed this long enough. Let's figure it out next year. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of strange. It seems like, you know, Miami, I think Indy, and probably the Deltas were the, the three that kind of stuck with the firm position or maybe just weren't allowed in the USL. Um because throughout the whole the whole debates, uh, you know, I, I saw rumors that North Carolina Railhawks, who are now North Carolina FC, went to USL. And at one point, you know, everybody was speculating and announcing that Jacksonville was joining the USL, but they're NASL next year. So um, after 
all this ridiculous back and forths. You know, we have two Division twos, and I think it's just going to come down to to next year. Um, what I've heard is like both both leagues kind of have an advisor, and they're going to get new sets of uh, I guess standards to meet. Although neither league has ever seemed to keep their standard in the past, so I don't know if the standards are being raised or lowered, but. Uh, you know what? We're still Division Two. That's all I care about. The USL can have their six billion teams and their B teams, and we'll just see what happens going into the Open Cup. Yeah, I definitely think there. This is a total, and everyone knows it. This is a total kick the can down the road move. the The U.S. Soccer Federation had this thrown in its lap uh, with some notice, but not much. And it, it couldn't kill off the NASL because ultimately I feel that it wants the NASL as second division and it wants the USL as third division because of the whole under 23rd scheme that the USL employs. But the NASL, as we talked about last year, uh, doesn't know what the hell it wants to do with itself. And I should say it didn't know what the hell it wanted to do with itself, that may change now. But it, for a great many years, the plan that the NASL had was either foolhearted or it was lying to itself. It would appear with a change in leadership that maybe that, that attitude is is molding a bit and, and, and the, league, the, what the, league, the league is finally appreciating what it is and realizing what it can't be. Um, and both of those would be good developments. But... As you were talking about a second ago, um, the USL has significant flaws. It also has a lot of really good things going for it, too. Um, it has arguably the most successful teams, at least in terms of like city support and attendance, uh, outside of Major League Soccer. Uh, when, when you look at you know Sacramento and Cincinnati, there's a real fan culture that's been built there, and that's really something to tip your hat to. And it's something that all clubs throughout American soccer are trying to build. But at the same time, again, as was mentioned, the fact that there are under the under 23 teams included, uh, reserve teams, I should say, the fact that, you know, there, there are so many squads spread so thin, um, it, it makes it difficult to take it seriously as a second division team. Now, what would be interesting and something that was bandied about before was the idea of a merger, that these two leagues would merge and, and I don't think a clean straight merger would happen however the idea of these two leagues existing alongside one another at the same level um, there's definitely an opportunity for something to be sorted out where maybe the USL fixes its problems and the NASL fixes its problems and and we wind up with some sort of hybrid product sometime in the near future again this is total speculation but Considering both leagues have these significant problems, it can't go on forever. And so I'm interested to see how it's going to shake out. Yeah. Um, again, you know, I don't think we can live in a in a world or live in a system that we have two Division twos. Um But you're absolutely right. Where USL shined was giving markets teams that had that, I don't want to use the word grassroots because I do feel like it is overused, but... Um, that did have that fan culture already in it, in and of itself bred up, right? These were teams that, you know, were able to come into markets that aren't necessarily traditional soccer markets, sell a low-cost season ticket package, sell an, sell an event, sell an activity for people to attend. And in a lot of these cities, this is a thing where professional soccer might be number one or 1B, in terms of what things to do. When you look at a, at a city like Sacramento, I mean, all you've really got to compete against is the Kings. When you look at a city like Cincinnati, you've got the Bengals and you've got the Reds. You don't have a major basketball franchise. You don't have a major hockey franchise to then compete against. Um, so NASL has seemed to have taken a little bit of a different route here. Uh, with the exception of North Carolina, if I'm not mistaken, you know, Indianapolis has a couple teams already in and of itself that are big draws. Miami, South Florida's got all four major professional sports organizations down here. Um, San Francisco, another one that's got, I, if I'm not mistaken, has all four within a 30-minute driving distance. Um, so now you're looking at places around the country where we need to grow the game and we need to grow the game the right way. So 
if NASL is smart, we need to find owners in these markets that are not necessarily traditional soccer markets, but also don't compete against a wide variety of activities and interests. Um, you know, for example, like in Sacramento, like in Cincinnati, um, there is a team if uh, that draws really big. I think they were fifth or fourth division. Was it Chattanooga? If I'm not mistaken, I think it was Chattanooga. Yeah, ten thousand people for you know a fourth or fifth division playoff game. Like, get out of here, you know. So that that's a really good draw for fourth or fifth division soccer because we're talking about kids that aren't technically pros at that point or semi pro at best. Yeah, part part of the other thing too is uh, it. Going forward, now uh, Bill Peterson isn't the commissioner of the league anymore, but kind of uh, it's it's almost like the boy who cried wolf because the minute they made that decision, they started uh, introducing or speculating which markets we were going to move into, and we kind of heard the the Peterson spiel all over again, repackaged by the press, where it was well, you know, there's six groups interested on the West Coast right. in NASL franchises, and it's like oh, I've you know. Uh, NASL people have heard this all before for you know four years and running, going on about which which groups are interested. So hopefully you know this year we can get some definite uh, definite ownership going into the going into either you know maybe even the uh, second half season or the the following year. Uh, besides bringing back uh, potential teams that left us, RIP Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, it's we've had this discussion before. I yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't I don't want to hash old territory, but there is no reason why. And, and again, I, I hate to be talking about speculative reports, and then in six months or, or in two weeks, I look like an idiot. But the fact that the NASL, especially now, given the news within the last week. If the NASL isn't scrambling like crazy to get into San Diego, they've made a huge mistake. When you look at markets, again, uh, you look at markets like, and I will, you know, toot my own horn or or toot my hometown's horn, but Baltimore. Um, You look at uh, St. Louis, even though USL actually did strike there. But but the fact that NASL wasn't clamoring for St. Louis for years to get legitimate ownership up and running there. Um, is I, I don't understand it, and those markets need to get filled. And 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 Omar mentioned Chattanooga is never going to be on the NASL's radar. I don't feel, and that's unfortunate because it's not a, a quote unquote big city. It's not a major city, but there's built in success to be had there. You need to, you know, and I don't know if they would be amenable to it, but you know, going after Detroit, you know, the the actual Detroit team, not the MLS proposal by Dan Gilbert and and, and um, the owner of the Pistons, but that that club that exists, Detroit City, you know wh- where you find where success already exists. That's where the NHL should be trying to like beg to latch on, because the way they've been trying to do it is just ram their head at MLS and hope that MLS breaks. And guess what? It's not going to. You, the United States Soccer Federation has invested twenty five years trying to get this up and running, and it's having some success. Right. If you're going at it, you're going to lose. You need to find an alternate strategy, and it's what the USL has done, right. is find an alternate strategy. Now, I don't think their strategy is perfect either, but for years the NASL had no strategy other than try to knock off MLS, which was insanity. You need to position yourself in markets that don't have MLS, in markets that like soccer, and those markets exist. Those markets are there, but you need to stop acting like a damn fool and start realizing what you are yeah so we got two things here on on the burner one matt's hometown of baltimore uh they have a pdl team pdl does uh float within that fifth division right drew fifth division yes but i will actually tell you they recently suspended operations bingo but they're on operate they're suspending operations with a focus quote to focus our efforts on bringing a legitimate professional franchise to this great city, end quote. So, yes. you know what? If Baltimore takes a year out of the fifth division and tries to reorganize itself and gather some additional resources from local investors to make a run at NASL, bingo, we've hit that one. It looks like the Albion SC group is trying to bring NASL into San Diego. Uh, that's, again, another article that was submitted only about 11 hours ago. Um, to midfield press, so that's something there to keep your eye on. But you know what's another important thing here? Again, you got to think outside the radar, and you need to jump on the trends where you see the trends. So 
Again, you might want to move a team into Las Vegas. Las Vegas is an attractive venue. You're going to have a natural rivalry with San Francisco and hopefully with San Diego should they join on board because you can't have one team in a second division making cross-continental flights. Realistically, it's not going to happen. It's going to be a strain on the budget. It's going to be a strain on their quality of play because they don't have anybody within probably a 1,000 miles uh, to them that, that they can play games with, with the exception of FC Edmonton. Um, so we have that number one issue kind of, you know, on the docket at the same time, maybe you want to move a team into, for example, uh, you know, we have San Francisco, we have San Diego. I, you know, I was saying, I said, go ahead and get Vegas, try to get a team in Texas, you know, try to put a team in, uh, in, in, well, we know Dallas and Houston are taken over by MLS, but you might be able to get a team in San Antonio. You might be able to get another team or revival of the Austin Aztecs inside Austin, you know. Oklahoma City, we saw what happened there, but maybe we can move into Kansas City, even though there is an MLS option there available to you. But that's such a huge soccer fan base that it could support two teams, uh, you know, possibly. So, you know, these are kinds of things that we have to look at here, and we have to find populated cities that have the demographics that would support a soccer franchise. So, you know, if the tires are not rolling on a NASL team in Las Vegas and somebody wants to go ahead and, 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 and work with me, give me some resources to get that team together. I promise I will return you a profit on your investment. So give me a call. Get, get there before Beckham. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to, NASL is just going to squat on all of his turf. And with the 12 years, it gets him to get his team together. We'll just squat on all his locations <laughs> with, uh, with, out. yeah. With uh, Baltimore, I heard uh, Avon Avon Barksdale and Stringer Bell could be potential investors on that team. So looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that would um, don't just don't ask where the money came from. That's all you need <laughs> yeah. to do. Hey, um, so um, let's let's continue our discussion. Let's talk about our team. Let's talk about Miami FC and how they're going to kind of navigate uh, this new um, this new world. Uh, of a NASL, whole which new is, world, <laughs> which really isn't all that new, at least for them, because again, they're hanging around, and, and there was never really any concern that they wouldn't hang around. Um, so Miami FC, as soon as the NASL is firmed up in their as they are wont to do, um, has proceeded to just go on a flurry of acquisitions, and of course, triggering options on current players. Um, and, and, and just today, uh, there was a new acquisition that was made and, and I want to defer to Drew on this. I'm going to ask him to start with the conversation because again, I consider him the expert of NASL and I feel like he'll, he'll add some depth to this conversation. Um, we've got Tyler Ruthven, we've got Dylan Myers, and we've got Stefano Pino. I, I may be mispronouncing that. Stefano Pino, I believe. Um, Drew, what, what do you think about these acquisitions so far? Well, I like the the Pino uh, ac- acquisition because you know he's a former strikers player, uh, also Minnesota United, so he's been in the league. Um, he's up front, so I, he's you know I think he mainly plays left wing. Uh, so we're kind of swapping out former Golden Boot uh, Paulo Campos for also former <laughs> Golden Boot <laughs> Stefano Pino. Uh, also, also both yeah, also both Brazilians. So I think there's a some sort of tactic somewhere in there. Um, and then, uh, also with our continuation of tradition, <laughs> we're signing a former New York Red Bulls player from 2012, which we seem to really like to do, which is, uh, Tyler Ruthven. Um, I haven't seen much of him play, although he did play at the Armada last year, but, um, uh, he's plays center back. So strengthening up our defenses and then, uh, Probably the best uh, named Dylon, Dylon, Dylon from uh, <laughs> I blew that one, but uh, from Indy Eleven. So uh, also another or a midfield player. So uh, kind of made three signings all over the board. The one big thing is we didn't release that many players, and it seemed like last year we also had a, you know, I think I've said a bunch of times a very large roster. So I think we're our squad size is already up to twenty five, where most of the other teams, because of all the all the talks, are, are fairly small. So, I mean, it looks like we're we're freaking ready to play right now. <laughs> yeah, everybody 25. else. 
I'd say 25 players, you better be ready to play if everybody else is going to be hovering around that 18 number just in terms of squads. Um, yeah, uh, I piggyback off what you said, I think swapping a golden boot for a golden boot, there is never going to be a harm uh, when you do that. Uh, hopefully, we can get uh, better production out of Pino than we did out of Campos during his time here. Um, I know that we went ahead and said Ruthven. We're still trying to think of a nickname for Tyler. So if you do have a nickname you can think of or one that he's used previously, go ahead and send it over to our Twitter account at Magic City Soccer. And of course, you know, you, you butchered it, but Dylan Mars, uh, even though it's probably Dylan, he's forever going to be known as Dylan, 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 and Dylan. He spits out fire. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, there was a perception, there was a belief towards the end of the season that the, the front office, knowing the circumstance that the NASL was in, that there was going to be this tremendous upheaval, um, uh, both on the part of the league and individually within the team. And the part with the league was accurate. <laughs> uh, there was tremendous upheaval and concern whether the league would actually live or die. Um, but... To look at the team now, it really appears that, like you said, Drew, that they're keeping the parts they like, which is a lot of the team. And again, the way you saw them play for the most part of the second half of the season, there is there is a lot to like. And then fortifying. Um, and this is not, you know, they're, they, this is not a back down. This is a step up that, okay, this season one is down. We had ups, we had downs, we had progress, we had failure and now we're taking what we've learned and stepping forward with it to me this is again to look at the roster as presently as it presently exists and see so many familiar faces i find that to be a a surprise and a pleasant surprise well i think at the end of the season um you know, after the last match, Miami um, FC did hold their closing press conference, and I was able to ask Nesta after he made a comment stating that there are certain aspects on the field that they need to upgrade, that they need to be better at. So I, I kind of pride a little bit. I'm like, okay, well, do you have anything in mind? Is there a general style or a general position that you need upgrading? Uh, like any coach, he didn't take too kindly to that resp- to that question, which I, I don't blame him because as a coach, you're not going to single out players, especially as you send them on your way to the offseason. Um, but now we're, we're you know we're kind of seeing that maybe it's across the board. Granted, you know Miami FC did release about six or seven guys uh, about a week ago from contract, so this could be a refortifying, uh, like Matthew Bunch said. But at the same time, you know maybe we're seeing a style of play with these three guys that is more of what's in Nesta's vision as compared to what we had last season. Yeah, and just it, all around the league, I guess the the big concern with too is how much free agency were where ah, was there going to be with you know the couple teams folding, a couple teams moving around leagues, and um, I think it's good that we we were one of the bigger teams right off the bat to just you know sign players. Although there is a there seems to be a lot of talent still floating around, so uh, you know who knows if we're done or. After week one, we'll sign, uh, you know, some $750,000 player. <laughs> what what I thought was interesting, just not Miami-related, but uh, I, it, if you look at some of the, the transfers or acquisitions, the USL side, Oklahoma Energy signed, like, a ridiculous amount of NASL players from last year, from, like, Cosmos, Carolina. I, I just thought it was kind of bizarre that they just kind of swooped in and picked up, like, eight or nine uh, energy or former NASL players. Um, yeah, it, 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 there's definitely an interesting Great dynamic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I have no idea where to go with this. Um, yeah. No, we're, ta- no, no, no. we're talking I, OKC I Energy. Something. I had something. I was just going to say it's it's been really interesting this last three weeks, I guess, or, or two weeks, to see how you had a league that everyone kind of presumed was dead for a month. And so people are making moves and going on about their ways, and and then all of a sudden it's back, and so now you're you're looking at the landscape and, and seeing moves that you know, or looking at acquisitions that like, oh maybe if you had waited a month, or maybe if you you would you know, or maybe if you if you decide not to wait, it's just it's it's gonna, it's a very interesting off season, both for the NASL teams and for the USL, which was existing on one belief system and and now is kind of facing another. Um, 
But so let's um let's let's do transition and let's do move on. And so let's talk about um what we have to look forward to uh in this twenty seventeen season. Um we'll talk about some some non NASL stuff towards the, the back end of the podcast, but I do want to continue talking about our league and our team and specifically the direction you foresee um Miami FC what where is Miami FC going in this season? Like we said, it is kind of a uh, an awkward season, uh, a transitionary period, um, a test phase, if you will. Um, but that doesn't mean that the team's not building as we see. It. Obviously, it's building and trying to construct a team that that will be championship caliber. Um, so, so what do you see? What do you guys foresee as changes, either on or off the field? Anything? Uh, let, let's open it up a bit. What do you see as changes that we might see from the team going into this season? Okay, great one. Yeah, let's move on. Um, I'll I'll start again. We're rusty. We've been off for the holidays. We're 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 putting the pieces back together. Um, I definitely foresee uh, based on the moves that the the squad has made, and based on again, we we've gotten a chance to to talk to some of the the front office personnel. You know, not in a formal setting, but but just in, in discussions. My this team has has always had an eye on the future and, and an eye on not not just you know not being concerned with what's happening now, but how we're building. And, and we, I'm interested to see uh, a a year under his belt the direction that Nesta will take with the construction of the team and, and specifically, um, you know we had one defender, one midfielder, and one attacker brought in, so everything's kept pretty level. And the the, the a lot of the old structure is there. I'm interested to see what midfielders will wind up kind of taking the lead and becoming the 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 main starters and will Nesta continue his his rotational policy or will he kind of shore up a firmer starting lineup that that's what interests me yeah and it's uh I agree because especially towards the end of last year they're you know right after we signed you know all six billion midfielders uh all, a lot of them came down to injuries, so yeah, it definitely was rotational. And then towards the end, they were they were still injured. So I guess coming out, it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, what what the pecking order is in that, and how much it'll change on a game to game basis. Or uh, yeah, let me know when we're gonna do Landon versus Dempsey, and then I'll be a better service. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, listen, I think we all have our own views, and, and I think we all have our own views based off the teams that we've always followed and the teams that we've always loved uh, of how you want this team um, to play, right? Because, of course, you have guys who've grown up, you know, with a South American-style football who are in Date Brigade that want to see that style of play. You have guys that have always followed the Premier League or have always followed leagues in Europe, and you want to see... You know, either an English system or you want to see a Spanish system. You know, we have fans of Serie A, so you want to see, you know, an Italian style, you know, you know, just a system that fits your eye. Something that you've always watched, something that you've always adored. And I, I don't know, you know, I think I think the right answer is it is too early to tell. I think we're going to get a real good understanding of this team once we get a preseason game or two under our belts. And we can see not only the formations that we're going to be deploying, but also who we're deploying and where. You know, the other day we were joking and, and we're talking about, you know, what would be a starting 11 for this season. And, and you know, I kind of sat there and I said, okay, so who do we have returning, you know, f- that I know of? And this was before the recent addition of players. So I said, okay, so left back, we've got Fatfang or we've got Freeman. We can go ahead and play them on either fullback side. Um, and you've got Bernstein and Trafford in the middle. Okay, so that'll be your, your defense. Obviously... Uh, I'm not sure if Vega is under contract for the season. I'm assuming he is, so let's just put him in net for right now because otherwise it's Lionel Brown. Uh, and then we got a, you know, I would like to see a diamond played in the midfield. Put Richie Ryan as your holding midfielder. You get Lahoud and Steele out wide, and then you put Poku in the middle uh, as your cam, and then you have two strikers up top. So I thought initially, you know, Jamie Chavez, or sorry, Jaime Chavez and Vincenzo Renella. But with the addition of Pino, with the addition of some of the other guys that might be rumored to come here, Maybe you have Enzo and you have one of the new guys. Or maybe you have Jaime Chamez or one of the new guys. Or maybe now all of a sudden you run a 4-3-3 system. So I think a lot of it is going to be is what's going to be the final squad. 
what are we going to be seeing? Because now we've got a lot of notable guys on the bench. You're going to be leaving on the bench guys like Blake Smith, who've played multi- who've played many minutes, especially last season. You're going to be leaving guys on the bench, um, you know, such as Ruthven and and Dylan and you know Pino. So it's going to be interesting to see the way it shakes out. Again, there's 11 spots on the field. You know, once the 11 spots are occupied, everybody's vying for you know maybe 30, 45 minutes at most. You know, uh, do we have word on what Dario is? Dario coming back next season, or we don't know yet. They haven't said anything, but the the last group of people uh, were all uh, contract options, so mm-hmm. um, they so haven't are we announced. Su- they are released? we assuming he's on a multi year term then? Essentially, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so I mean, look at that. I mean, just look at your forwards. You've got Vincenzo Renella, you've got Dario, you've got Jaime, you've got Pino. Not saying that injuries don't happen. Again, you don't want to see any of your guys go down. But eventually, people pick up knocks. You see how it goes, right? This is professional soccer at the end of the day. This is not a backyard, you know, nine and under league. So, it, it, again, it, it's going to be very interesting to see what is dictated through preseason, what is going to be the opening, you know, two or three game rosters, and and kind of see how that's that mold of players fits the style because you can't play a style that doesn't fit the players you have on your roster, right? We've got a very notable South Florida franchise right now that has 20 guys trying to play a style that doesn't fit the roster, and they're not doing so hot, right? And I'm kind of mad because I have season tickets to them, and they're not doing very well, as you can tell. But at the same time, you can't run a system for guys that you don't have. So that's a trap that I don't want to see Miami FC fall into, and I don't want to see a situation where you have Nesta and maybe the technical director trying to play, you know, an Italian style of football when the team is better off playing an English style or a South American style, etc. Well, in good news, this coming up year is that half the league will make the playoffs. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so we're still better than the NBA and the NHL then, right? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty close <laughs> to the NBA. Yeah, NBA, more than half the teams make it. Yeah, that's right, 16 out of 30. Yeah, <laughs> same with the NHL. So we're, we're, we're coming for you, baseball. We're, we're, that's we're right. coming for you. That's Wild funny. card. What'll be yeah, interesting we're... this year will be how how our preseason goes because last year, you know, we were a new team. We ended up playing, you know, college, Division four teams, and then a new NASL team and a second-year NASL team. But I, I think it's going to also be affected that they don't have a set schedule yet. They just got out of these meetings, so they haven't had time to prep anything. So, I, you know, it's, is it going to be – how serious is this preseason going to be? Because, you know, in the past, NASL teams have played friendlies preseason against MLS teams or international teams. But I think this year it's going to come down to, oh, crap, how quickly can we schedule something? Are we going to end up playing, you know, Boca Raton, Miami United – no, but uh, it, it, St. Thomas's College for the Blind and uh, the San Francisco Deltas, you know? We're going to get an angry phone call from St. Thomas now. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> no, but look, yeah. man, I, it shouldn't be that hard, though, because, you know, we have an eight-team system, so the matrix isn't that difficult. Somebody in Secaucus, open up an Excel spreadsheet, put a couple if-and-true combinations in there, and run the damn simulation. It's not that hard, right? And we have time. The thing is, you've got to get on the front foot before USL starts reaching out and lining up their preseason rosters because there's no reason, there is no reason whatsoever that you can't get a game against the European opponent, especially if the International Championship Cup is going to be back in South Florida again during the summer. So there's no reason you can't get at least one European team or even a B team to come out from Europe. You should be able to be able to get at least one USL side and you might be able to get one MLS side. I mean, Orlando's there right for the picking. You know, if I'm Orlando, you know, do I want to play against Tampa Bay and the Rowdies and, and rekindle that rivalry? Absolutely. But if Miami FC comes knocking on your door, that's a market that Orlando more than likely wants to tap into, especially given the ongoing developments of the Beckham situation. I just think the thing that, that to me is so – one of the most unfortunate things about this whole NASL situation uh, and its effect on – Miami FC is, I think Drew Drew and I, I think we're of the same mind that going into the second season, one of the biggest things that the club could have done in order to increase its standing and awareness among the community in Miami was to schedule, was to try to find a way to schedule one of those big friendly matches uh, with 
either a European or South American club. I mean, we've seen the Florida Cup uh, that's currently taking place, and you're seeing, you know, big clubs coming to South Florida during their winter breaks and playing. And I really wanted Miami FC either to participate in something like that or get a game with another club that might be coming over during the break. And because of the uncertainty, there was no way to schedule it. Now, can you schedule something in the summer if there's a period break between a fall and spring season? Absolutely. Uh, but to go into the season with momentum, I think it would have been really great to have had one of those friendlies. And now, I mean, again, unless um, Silva and the ownership group can absolutely pull a rabbit out of a hat sometime between now and March, that seems unlikely. Um, no, it, it shouldn't be that hard, though. It, it really should not be that difficult, okay? Because, you know, I, again, I, I don't know essentially uh, what the seasons run in South America. I think most South American leagues are running, are up and running at the moment because winter does come during the summer months. Uh, so I think they do play a um, what's our, an October to May schedule. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but I'm sorry, an October to, to March schedule. But you might be able to get a game in. You can get one of these clubs to come up and, and, and play you. You can get a Central American side to come and play you. You could probably even find, you know, a few MLS teams who might want to schedule you. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, you just have to put your money where your mouth is, and you have to be able to, to fork over any kind of resources that it would take to get the game up and running. Um, and it would be a travesty if we don't get somebody to come and play because – you see everybody else do it. I mean, how does North Car- – well, sorry. How do the Carolina Railhawks get <laughs> West Ham United West Ham United to come and play a game? Again, that was a, that was one of those games that was in between the summer. But, you know, it doesn't have to be anybody major. You can get a championship side to come over and play a game against you. You know, it's it's not that hard. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the one of the frustrating parts was the Open Cup because the, the strikers actually backed out of the tournament, but they retained the tournament rights to host a game. So I went out there on Sunday. So every other city had back-to-backs, but, uh, you know, Fort Lauderdale only had one game because their team backed out of the tournament. But that was something, like, I wish Miami could have gotten part of, but the issue with that was Fort Lauderdale like the company was still hosting the tournament, so we couldn't get into it. But, you know, it's like the Tampa Bay Rowdies were, you know, playing the Tampa and Orlando games, and then there was Wolfsburg, and there's there's so many teams out here. And it was just frustrating to kind of sit back and watch. But, you know, there was only one American team in it. But, I mean, even I think uh, Sao Paulo from Brazil was part of it, and uh, the NPSL Boca Raton team ended up playing a friendly outside of the tournament outside of them. So, I, yeah, I, I guess if there's a, a will and a way and somebody willing to make a phone call, you can get teams like that because you have a, a top Brazilian team playing a Division Four American team. So And it's always so good. I we mean, have a chance. Right, and, and you're getting these European teams with an opportunity to expand their market and their retail merchandise uh, revenue, right? Because, look, if we're seriously talking about hosting Champions League finals in the United States, you better believe that a lot of these European teams have big South American followings. Look at any South American table, and at least 30% of the teams are named after a European club. They are. They, they, they just are. Okay? So, if all of a sudden you see now teams from Europe coming to Miami and saying, okay, we'll play the NASL side... But all of a sudden, yeah, maybe the maybe the, the game isn't, you know, 100% Miami FC support. Let's not kid ourselves. Maybe it's not even 20% Miami FC support. But if all of a sudden you have a team like Nice or a team like Lyon coming in and playing, you know, Miami FC and now opening themselves up to the market that is South America and gaining, you know, revenue from there, you know, you come, you come here and you make fans. When these teams leave, Miami FC stays. If you get guys to come to the game for the first time and say, hey, Miami FC, all right, and then we clear up the air, all right, not Beckham's team, all right, cool, all right, whatever, right? Mm. They, oh, they just played a game against Lyon or a game against Nice or a game against Bordeaux or a game against, you know, Brighton and Hove Albion or a game against <laughs> Reading, whatever. All of a sudden, you're seeing you're bringing in new fans to the mix that maybe they knew Miami FC was here, but maybe they didn't really want to come out and see it, you know? Yeah, I think this is really key, and it's something uh, to, to, to mention. The frustration that I think 
uh, a lot of us have supporting this club is that people don't understand what we are. And there's that whole thing that was, again, mentioned a second ago, the idea of, is it Beckham's club? Is it Beckham's club? Uh, you know, one way to get credibility is to play against teams that people know. And for good or bad, the NASL still has a, a lot of people who don't know about it. And to get people in and watching and aware of the club, one of the best things we can do is play other clubs that will attract people. Now, is it a perfect strategy to say, oh, if they're a soccer fan, they'll be a Miami SC fan? Of course not. But you have to start with awareness. And, and the fact that, that getting a big-time opponent in a friendly might be difficult, this it might be a lot more difficult than it should be, to me that's disappointing. Um, let's move on, and let's, let's start bringing this thing in for a landing. Um, let's talk about some uh, general soccer nonsense, because, again, we, we haven't really talked since the uh, beginning of November, so there's been two months of uh, soccer fun and frivolity to, to recap, and obviously we're not going to recap all of it, but what's jumping out uh, to you guys from the whole world of soccer? Man, you guys suck. I mentioned the Florida Cup earlier. The Florida Cup's still going on. Um, we're talking soccer in general, right? We've got some sure, FA Cup yeah. magic. I'm just going to go on because nobody said anything. Uh, Liverpool had to replay a game because they suck so much, and they had to play Plymouth Argyle away, but unfortunately they won. Well, did that game All already happen? All we did was give an opportunity. Yes, they, they won earlier today, won nothing. <sighs> we gave an opportunity for a, a really good, solid club in Plymouth Argyle to get the, the draw, to get the tickets sold for two games. Shut up. We got a chance to have our young men play. Stop that. Lucas Leva scored a goal. This is what we call a win-win-win, and that was the strategy from <laughs> the beginning because Jurgen Klopp is a genius. Now you're just spewing garbage. Yeah, you're just spewing garbage. Well, now you get to play Swansea. Yeah. Another dumpster fire. Ah, yes. The Lee Eifens, uh, the Lee Eifens, uh derby, um, although it's not really a derby because he doesn't support Liverpool or anything. But uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. It's been to me, it's been a hell of a season. A lot different. Uh, you know, this will be a Premier League corner, oh, our abbreviated God. Premier League quarter. It's been a hell of a season mm-hmm. because it's kind of been a return to order, but at the same time, the, there's been a lot of, of unexpected twists and turns, and and you kind of have a title chase, but at the same time, Chelsea are very comfortably ahead. But is Diego Costa going to China? Is he staying with with Chelsea? Who knows? Um, Wilson's very happy, obviously, with the Chelsea, you know, being in such a good position. But you've got Spurs, you've got Liverpool, you've got Arsenal, who are always there, and then Man City. The uncertainty with Pep and and getting settled into the English style of football, and then you have the other club that you know does whatever they do. Say our names. <laughs> Say my name. <laughs> Tottenham. No, no, not that one. Not that one. Ah, listen. Um, God. Okay, the Premier League. Yeah. So we're we're a long ways away. When I was sitting here, that like anything but a trouble light would be a failure of a season. And now I'm sitting here talking to you guys. I'm like, yeah, I'll take a top four finish. Top four finish, and 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 maybe you know finals of a Europa League, but finals of the FA Cup. Uh, let's, let's have a repeat of the FA Cup of last year. That that's mandatory still on my book. Um. It's been an exciting Premier League, uh, you know, even with the struggles of Manchester United. And it's not even necessarily recent struggles. It's just everybody at the top just keeps winning. Uh, you know, it's it's very funny when you win five or six games in a row and you've literally made no change on your position because everybody in front of you keeps picking up points as well. Um, so, so it's, you know, it's... It's definitely funny. It's definitely going to be an interesting finish to the season. It'll be a fun next three months or so. Um, so it, it's going to be something that will keep my attention and it'll make sure that it'll segue me into a fun NASL season. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I think it'll be a fun run um, for the title. Again, even though Chelsea's in the, the stronger position, I think it'll be a fun run for top four. Um, I'm excited about the League Cup, even though we're trailing on goal difference at the moment in the semifinal. Um, yeah, you're losing. Yeah, there's here. a lot going on. You've still got Leicester City, although they're they, you they are both in a relegation battle, and they're on to the the the, the knockout stages of the Champions well, League. 
They're Chelsea of last year. Everybody thought, you know, wow, uh, rightfully right around the end of the group stages of the Champions League last year, Chelsea might be the first team to win Champions League and be relegated to the Championship. And now we're seeing Leicester might be the first team to win Champions League and be relegated to the Championship. You know what? That's a nice little story there. If we can keep that going in the Premier League for years on end, I think that'd be pretty hysterical. Yes, I, I like it. Um, yeah, you know, regarding soccer, again, I'm very excited about the Florida Cup. Uh, like like Drew mentioned, I wanted to get up there last weekend um, to see that match because it looked like a really fun environment. Unfortunately, I had wisdom teeth complications. Not fun. Avoid having them yanked out if you can. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's fun to see soccer in South Florida, whether it's, it's Miami FC or Miami United, which are, are starting up some practices and some inner squad scrimmages uh, under new ownership, um, which seems to have retained a lot of the old structure in place, uh, but just bringing in uh, new faces and, and uh, maybe some additional support uh, of capital. Um, yeah, it, it's it's an interesting time. And now that we've gotten through the, the whole NASL tidal wave, at least survived it for another year, it's it's fun to look around the rest of the scene and see, okay, well, there. There is a lot looking up. There's a lot of interesting stuff going on, both locally and, and globally. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be really, it's going to be awesome. Um, you know, again, just to dabble, we're not going to break into it. We'll leave it for for a future podcast, especially because friendlies will just be played uh, probably by the next time we record. It might be a little while before you hear from us again. I think it may be a week or two. That's not a threat. Um you know, yes, Jurgen Klinsmann is no longer the head coach of the United States men's national team. Um, so we're going to go ahead and see what the Bruce Arena Redux uh, era has in, in store for the squad, especially you know starting from the bottom of the barrel in the last uh, the last stage of group qualifying for the World Cup. So that should be fun to see. It should be pretty interesting. Um, another little tidbit of Florida soccer is that the International Champions Cup, the preseason summer tournament that usually always graces South Florida, will be back in Miami in 2017. We just don't know any dates or any per, any of the teams that will be competing. We know that Real Madrid will be back in Miami for 2017, whether that's for a training or for a game. Uh, we'll be yet to see. Um, hopefully we can get... Uh, Manchester United to leave China and come back to South Florida, maybe play a game against Liverpool. That would be pretty cool. Um, and, you know, see what other kind of teams come down here, um, especially into South Florida and in knowing that Orlando will also get a game um, as well. So that would be pretty fun. should be an interesting summer of soccer, especially for flat, for fans, not only in South Florida, but around the state as well. And if for any reason you're still listening, make sure to follow Dade Brigade on Facebook. We have some events in the off season coming up. Uh, I believe we're going to play some foot golf coming up towards the end of this month. And uh, in two days, well, whenever the hell you listen to this, as long as it's before this Friday, we're going to have a little three-on-three pop-up going on downtown. And uh, also make sure to follow at Magic City Soccer on Twitter. I just wrapped up the whole show. You guys have anything to say? Uh, yeah, so we are currently selling what we call our pre-sale package for the Day Brigade membership. We've got to remember with these Day Brigade memberships, you do get discounts to a bunch of places around the city of Miami. Soccer Locker, Mad About Soccer, Fritz and Franz Beer House, Miami Bruco. That's new for this year. Um, you might have a couple more additions. We are working uh, with some of our partners. Millie's Empanadas. Millie's Empanadas. We are working on mm. a couple of other partners to make sure that we can get a discount um, when you visit any of them and, and look to purchase things from any of them. So right now, the special we've got going on is for $40, you get premier access to the 2017 Dade Brigade membership. You will get a Dade Brigade dry fit t-shirt. After multiple complaints from many of the Dade Brigade members about how heavy these shirts were and how hot it is in the summer, guess what, boys? We made them dry fit. Absolutely. Um, you also get a lightweight, a lightweight scarf. This is the most popular scarf from last season. It is lightweight, meaning you're not going to sweat when it's 90 degrees outside and there's 90% humidity. Uh, you will sweat, but you're not going to sweat because of the scarf. And last but not least, you will also get a Dade Brigade rally towel. This is not a Pittsburgh terrible towel. This is an orange, beautiful tank <laughs> towel. Take care of it. Don't <laughs> rub your shoes on it. Don't clean your feet with it. Uh, don't, don't, don't jump in the shower with it. You should bring it out to the games. It might cover your mouth from some of that smoke that's pretty dangerous to inhale as we noticed after last season but we'll save that for a treat once you visit us especially in the brigade end of the end zone and we score some goals we'll make sure you get a whiff of all that potent smoke 
I, I do want to follow up on uh, what Drew mentioned really quick before we wrap up, and I promise we'll be wrapping up soon. But the pop-up soccer event, I want to give a few more specifics about that because that's going to be a really fun time. Um, this is part of the Biscayne Green project that uh, the city is has been coordinating over the last couple of weeks, turning some open parking lots downtown uh, into kind of pop-up parks. Um, we're entering the last week of it, and um, we are... Uh, hosting pop-up soccer at the pop-up park, uh, which is located at the Bayfront Park Metro Mover Station. Uh, to give you a, a different uh, landmark, that's right next to the Intercontinental Miami Hotel, uh, right near the very bottom of Biscayne Boulevard, um, the southern end of Biscayne Boulevard, before it turns back into the city. Uh, we're scheduled to be there 5.30 to 7.30. I would presume we're going to be there a little bit longer than that. But we're going to be kicking it around. We have some events for kids. We have some events for the grown-ups. Uh, we're, uh, you know, playing some 3v3 soccer. We're just going to have a fun time. It's, you know, it's not competitive. It's just, gonna, you know, having fun, enjoying the sport, and bringing it to the people. Um, so, yeah, please do. Again, even if if you're not a Day Brigade member, um, come on down and check us out. We don't bite. We're friendly. Uh, and we certainly will be happy to hook you up with a membership uh, if you come talk to us Friday or, or whenever. Um but yeah, I think that's it for our sales portion of the podcast, and I think that's it for the podcast. Um, so let's wrap it up. Let's get out of here. Uh, Omar, thank you as always, sir. We'll bite if we ask us to. <laughs> Only if you give consent. Consent must be given. Um, so that's uh, at Omar Mubayad on Twitter. You can follow him there. Um, Drew, thank you as always. Thank you, sir. That's uh, It's Houseman, LOL, on Twitter. And I'm at Matthew S. Bunch on Twitter. I've been Matthew Bunch. Thank you, as always, for listening to Magic City Soccer. We're happy to be back with you in 2017. We're looking forward to a whole new season of Miami FC soccer, of NASL soccer. It's a good time to be a soccer fan in South Florida because when isn't it, really? It's always a good time to be a soccer fan down here. Uh, And let's look forward to another wonderful season of uh, soccer down here. Go Miami FC and go Miami soccer. Have a good one, everyone. Oh, it's alive.